Welcome to the Blue Security Podcast, a weekly podcast for information security defenders, where we bring you discussions on best practices, tools, and implementation for enterprise security. Now, here are your hosts for today's show, Andy Ja and Adam Brewer. Welcome to this week's episode of the Blue Security Podcast. I'm Andy, your host. I'm Adam, your co-host. We're going to talk about the force reductions and the layoffs that have been happening in the tech industry lately. It's a little bit different than what we typically talk about, but obviously a lot of folks that we know in the industry, especially the cybersecurity industry, may have been affected. So I just want to talk about psychologically and what people go through when this happens, because it has happened to me personally. But just to give you some numbers, if you haven't seen it in the news, SAP cut like almost 3,000 folks, 2.5% of their global workforce. IBM made some cuts. Google cut 12,000, which was 6%. Microsoft, where Adam and I work, that was in the news last week. We cut 10,000 jobs, which is about 5% of our global workforce. Salesforce cut about 8,000. Meta, at the end of 2022, cut 11,000, which was close to 12%. So every major company that's out there, and this is also the smaller ones. I think if you're looking at one of these websites like layoff.fyi, there have been over 200,000 tech jobs that have been eliminated since 2022, which is a lot. So, you know, just kind of talking through this, I'm sure if you haven't been affected, you know someone who has been affected by this and it's a very trying time in our industry. Absolutely. And I've been fortunate. I've never been impacted by it, which maybe in some ways makes it scarier to think about what that would be like and how it would affect me and my family. But I, of course, have been there as close friends have been impacted by layoffs in the past and not to make it equivalent. But it really does affect everyone. The folks who you know stay are impacted in different ways. You look at Twitter as an example, and anybody still there is probably having to do the work of two to three people um, as a result of it and be very fearful about future cuts. And that might impact everything about their life, their ability to sleep, their ability to focus, their stress level, their anxiety level. So even though they didn't get cut, there's still impacts there. I've seen some people on blog mind, half jokingly, half seriously say, can I volunteer as tribute and ask to be laid off because of the severance package and the opportunity to go look for something else. And I think that's an interesting dynamic too right now where it does highlight the impact that's so broad. But of course, we should really start with the impact on those who are actually impacted by the layoffs. Psychologically, it is really hard, especially if it's your first time. You know, you said that you've never been impacted. And so like thinking about what might that feel like if it happens, I think you're usually kind of punched in the gut and, you know, not really expecting it because no one really expects these things. And so for me, just personally, I wanted to share a little bit about my story because I've actually been laid off four times in my career. And I remember also seeing it from my dad when he was an engineer and he had gotten laid off several times. And at that time, we were a single income family. He made maybe like $50,000, $60,000 a year. And all of a sudden we went to nothing. And so he collected unemployment and we lived on that for a while. But then that runs out if you don't find a job. And I remember cutting back 
and the stress that put on my parents. So after seeing that happen to my dad when I was younger, the way that he conducted himself after is a lot how I conducted myself after I got laid off. And so I wanted to share some of that. But one of the things that I told my colleagues when we all got eliminated at one of the places that I worked is this can be a blessing in disguise. I know it doesn't seem like that right now, but most people, if you're doing a good job and you're keeping up with the things that you need to, you should be able to land on your feet. And most of the time you find somewhere better. So for example, when I graduated college, I went into the Air Force. And at the time we had over-recruited our military because of 9-11. And then about the 2005, 2006 timeframe, the military actually went through a downsizing because the Air Force needed to buy F-22 fighter jets to replace the aging F-15s. And the best way to pay for that was to eliminate people. So I actually got rift or reduction in force from the military. They reduced 50% of the people in my career field. And they said, thank you for your service. Your commitment has been satisfied. I had like two years left that I was supposed to serve. And they just said, have a great life. And that was it. I was out processed. But as a result of that, I got to work at a civilian manufacturing company as my first job. I was an industrial engineer. I learned about manufacturing, which I still apply today when I work in the manufacturing sales organization with Adam. And so, you know, I have experience in that. And then it also allowed me to be in the Air Force Reserve and learn about that. And that gave me the opportunity to deploy. So I wouldn't have really deployed overseas had I not been in the reserves. And so, you know, some people don't look at that as an opportunity, but it was a big opportunity. It's something that I talk about quite a bit. It was an experience in my life that gave me a lot of life experiences. So I consider that to be a blessing in disguise. There were a lot of skills that I learned, people that I connected with. And then when I came back from deployment, the manufacturing company that I was working at said, hey, we didn't want to lay you off while you were deployed because that seems like a bad thing to do, but you have a month left. And so I said, all right, well, I'll go find something else. And I was able to find temporary positions in the military to serve for a little bit, but that also gave me the opportunity to change careers where I went into law enforcement. And so I did that for a while. And then I went to Best Buy as a sales manager. And after six months doing the sales manager, my position was eliminated after the holiday season, which was their fiscal year. They decided to reorg. And again, that was pretty tough. And the people that I managed, a lot of them got cut as well. One of them had worked 13 years at Best Buy and that was all he knew. He graduated, he was on the sales floor. He had worked there for 13 years. And I said, look, you got great sales experience. You're going to land on your feet. And he actually works for Sub-Zero and Wolf. If you're familiar with the appliance company, they're based in Madison and he works sales there. And it's great because it's an eight to five job. Whereas Best Buy, you know, retail is very tough Mm -hmm. with a family. And so Mm -hmm. he loves it. You know, it was a blessing in disguise for him as well. But I went to Geek Squad after that, which kind of kick-started my IT career. Geek Squad is very similar to a help desk at an internal IT corporation. So I was able to transition into help desk and that kind of kick-started everything. And after learning that job, I was recruited and hired by Microsoft, where unfortunately in 2019, I was eliminated again. And, you know, I worked side by side with Adam at the time. And I remember very clearly when the fiscal year happened and all of us in one position just got phone calls and we were eliminated. So that was pretty trying as well because Microsoft was a good company to work for. You get comfortable with, you know, the salary and everything and all of a sudden that's taken away. But again, I was able to find another job, apply the knowledge that I had learned at Microsoft and, you know, learn new skills, learn about other tools. I have a lot of experience now with 
a lot of the competitors for Microsoft. And that gives me a lot of credibility when I talk to our customers. And so fortunately I was able to come back and in the process, you know, kind of promote and jump a few levels because now I'm not the same person anymore. I've got two years of extra experience that I wouldn't have had had I stayed at Microsoft. So again, every time that I've gotten laid off, I've been able to make it kind of be a positive thing. Obviously in the moment, for sure, very stressful, but you buckle down and we'll talk about some other things that I've learned to do throughout the years to kind of prepare mentally for that. But I think the most important thing is nowadays, I never try to get too comfortable. Like I'm almost always expecting. And really that's a way to look at your job is you're interviewing every day is really what it is. I remember that phrase being used at one of the companies that I work for, which was Trek. The CEO would say, you know, you're interviewing for your next position every single day. Don't expect that promotion to be there because if you're slacking off now, just because you spent two or three years in the same position doesn't guarantee that you're going to promote to the next one. You know, I don't even have to interview that person if I know that they're a rock star. Like I already know I've worked with them for three years side by side. I know they're a rock star. I know that they can do this job. So, you know, that's how you should maybe approach your job every day is I am interviewing for that promotion. I'm interviewing for that next job every single day that I go in. I remember that day vividly when everyone in that role that you were in, Andy, the modern desktop, TSP, technology solutions professional at the time, was eliminated. And even though some folks were offered different roles to stay at Microsoft, they didn't get to stay in the same role. They had to go do other things too. So you talk about, you kind of shared your story of how you were impacted and you turned it into a real positive and it absolutely made you stronger and better when you came back because you have this wealth of experience to call upon and you have relationships too. Look at this show and look how many people we've had on this show from your previous employer. You obviously made a positive impact on them and they think very highly of you. And building those connections could pay dividends down the road too. You never know. And so I think of um, just what that process was like from the other side. An amazing fact is of the four folks from the North Central region who held that role, and not to say that this is the end goal, but this is the way it worked out, uh, two remained at Microsoft and have kind of moved through different roles and found really good places for themselves now in various engineering groups. The two of you that were not offered positions at Microsoft both went and did other things and did really well and are now both back there. And again, not to say that your number one goal when you get laid off is I'm coming right back, you know, I'll boomerang, give me two years. But you both did and it worked out really well for you, which just speaks to probably something we can talk about in the show as well of if you handle it very professionally and don't take it personally and take the high road it leaves more doors open for you in the future. And that's probably really hard to do in the moment, but it speaks really well of both you guys, you know, that you were able to pull that off as well, because gosh, I, I know I'd be experiencing a range of emotions too. And it's really hard to keep that stiff upper lip and just stay professional and cool. Thank you for sharing your story. What an interesting experience that was. For sure. I mean, I remember my first time was the military and mm-hmm. you don't expect to get eliminated from the military. No. And I remember getting told by my commander that your position has been eliminated and we're going to process you. Now, in the military, they gave us like 
I think it was three months or something like that. So it was a pretty ample time, but you were pretty much getting out processed at the end of that. And there were some mandatory stops that you had to make. And I do remember the reserve recruiter contacting me and saying, hey, sir, you need to make an appointment. This is one of your mandatory stops. And I was not happy about it. I'm like, I'm done with the Air Force. I don't want to do anything. Like I'll come in there, but I really don't want to. And I was pretty angry. I remember going in, but she was super nice. And you know, she's a recruiter. So that part of her job is to, to try to get you to sign back up. And in the end, she won me over. I mean, somehow, you know, based on, on what she was saying, and I ended up signing up for the reserves, which was, and ultimately a very good thing and opened up a lot more doors. And, you know, when I leave companies, I really try to not burn any bridges because every company that I've been at, I, I have people that I can reach back to. In fact, when I left Trek, which I worked at previously and went to Microsoft, the reason why I was able to get hired at Microsoft was one of my hiring managers at Trek left for Microsoft and I kept that connection and he put in an internal referral to me and that probably helped fast track, you know, to get in at Microsoft. And then when I got laid off, I reached back to another one of my contacts who was at Trek and I said, hey, I see that this company that you're working for, which was Exact Sciences, they're hiring an information security analyst. Are you guys still hiring? And he said, yeah, let me put you into my boss who was Doug Turchek, who's been on the show previously and you know doesn't get me hired right away but when you have a good employee recommend or vouch for somebody and say this person is good then your reputation and your word has a lot of weight usually especially in smaller companies where there's a lot less bureaucracy mm -hmm. and you know and I stayed in contact with you and a bunch of the people mm -hmm. and when opportunities came up you know you're like hey I know you're happy mm -hmm. but just let you know there's this other position that's in the works and that can be really, really good to keep up with your connections. In fact, I'm having breakfast with Doug and Nate Gardner, who is, you know, now the assistant CISO, I think at Exact Sciences on Monday, you know, just to catch up, mm -hmm. see how things are going. Um, we all live pretty close and Madison in general is a very, fairly small community, especially in the tech world. You'll run into people that you know. So mm -hmm. there's no point in burning bridges. You will probably get put on some list <laughs> to say, don't hire this guy. So yeah, connections I think are so important when it comes to, you know, the work you do and then helping you find that next position. Well, Madison and Des Moines are actually very similarly sized metropolitan areas. I think we're within just one or two spots of each other, like on the Census Bureau's list. And the same advice is dispensed about Des Moines, which, you know, is a metro of like 500, 600,000 people. I know Madison's similar size. It's a small community. People talk. Your reputation is your most important asset. Protect it vigorously. And again, even though I haven't been laid off, I've had to deliver bad news to people that I've worked with that I was leaving to go take another role. In one case, in my career, I worked for this great director at Farm Bureau Financial Services for many, many years, like four or five years. And that's where I really got my start doing Office 365 stuff. And he uh, was laid off or terminated for cause or whatever, not really clear, never got clarity on that, but went to another company locally and essentially said, hey, I trust you. I know you know what you're doing. We need help on this place's Office 365 environment, would you consider coming over? And it's like, I would jump at the chance to work with you again. And so I went and worked with him and I was only there like six or seven months when Microsoft came and knocked on my door. And you kind of don't say no to that. And thankfully the hiring process took a while. So instead of being with him like five or six months, it wound up being closer to a year before I actually moved. But I had to go to him and be like, hey, you know, I know we just got
got started here, but I kind of got an offer I can't refuse. And again, put in my two weeks, worked my butt off, um, made sure to leave on a good term. And to this day, like we are now personal friends. You know, we have lunch regularly. We go play bar trivia together sometimes. And he's worked his way up. He's now a vice president of IT at that company. And it's one of those things of, you know, not that you're like collecting people just for your own purposes, but it's comforting to know that, you know, if a layoff were to come, those are the kind of people you can reach out to and say, hey, do you have anything for me? You know, I'm looking for work right now. And the more folks you can uh, reach out to, the better chances you have of landing on your feet. So whatever the circumstances are, whether it's a layoff or whether you're leaving under your own terms, gosh, the relationships, they really, really help. And I think the more, especially in security, Mm -hmm. where trust is so important Mm -hmm. that you really try to maintain that and you want to leave in a positive way. Because I'll tell you, I've left two companies where I was in a security position where I had administrative rights. I had basically the keys to the kingdom. And I know that my coworkers and my boss talked, you know, without me with the topic of should we revoke his access now? Mm -hmm. And a lot of people in security, when they put in their two weeks, they just basically cut off their access and they're done because maybe you're going to a competitor or maybe you did it in a suspicious way that, you know, warrants that. But in both cases, not to say that, you know, I'm like the best person in the world, but I was fortunate that my coworkers trusted me and that I had integrity when I was doing the job and they decided not to cut off my access. And so I was able to work and help transition everything during that time period. In the exact sciences case, I think I gave like three or four weeks even, Mm -hmm. you know, I tried to schedule it out my start date so that there was ample time to do transition. And people are grateful for that because two weeks is very short to do a transition. It is. Yeah. So if you're trying to not burn any bridges, it really matters the way that you leave. Absolutely. I will just say a similar case. I was global administrator of, you know, like an 8,000 mailbox environment and I had global admin to my last day on the job. Never got taken away from me. I mean, then again, to be perfectly honest, I don't know if they had somebody to take it from me, but the point stands of like, I could have done very malicious stuff, but there was obviously that trust of that was of course not my goal or my intent. I did test it though. In one case, I actually think in both cases where as soon as I walked out the door, you know, I tested to see if I still had access and they had revoked it as soon as I left mm-hmm. the building on my last day. So, you know, and that's something that's that good. you want to take care of. Operational excellence. <laughs> yes. But a couple other things that I wanted to talk about was nowadays I do an annual review of my resume. Every year I update it. You know, some people let that go stagnant. In fact, before this episode, I wanted to check because I actually didn't remember updating it last year, but then I went and looked and the Mm -hmm. last edit date was in July of 2022. So I did do a review last year, probably we'll do another one in June or so, but at Mm -hmm. least I know it's less than a year old and can get updated pretty quickly and put out there. And so that's something that you want to do. When I got that conversation to get laid off from Microsoft, it was right after the fiscal year or so July and I had just done a review of my resume in June I don't know if it was like you know a sign mm-hmm. but it was already up to date and so before the call ended I had already submitted my resume to a bunch of different recruiters and jobs and whatnot so yeah always keep that up to date and you know maybe you're in a position where the job requirements for the ones that you're looking for don't exactly match because they're not always the same every company differs a little bit every job even if it's the same title may differ so you want to try to find a way to tailor your experiences to the position that you're applying to mm-hmm. so 
I had to do this a lot because military experience and police experience don't really translate to civilian stuff, but I have been able to explain the skills that are valuable to cybersecurity or even to sales. Like I remember one of my interviewers uh, for Microsoft actually asked me about my police experience and how that would be valuable in the Windows TSP position, the modern desktop TSP. And I said, well, police officers do a lot of communication. In fact, the majority of their job is 90% verbal communication. You're talking to people, you're trying to de-escalate situations. You're trying to convince them to do something, which is again, pretty valuable when it comes to a sales mm -hmm. role is, you know, how well you can communicate verbally and written. So, you know, just try to find ways of thinking about the skills that you're getting and maybe not directly like for law enforcement, I did a lot of investigations, a chain of custody stuff. All that is applicable to cybersecurity, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe you have to confiscate a laptop or a hard drive, you know, how that is handled. And if it has to go to litigation, maybe your company is suing that employee. All that stuff matters. And actually, that's something that a lot of corporate cybersecurity people don't have a lot of training in, is how litigation works and how to handle evidence. Mm -hmm. But I have a lot of experience in that, having been former law enforcement. So, you know, try to find a way to tailor your experience and explain that on your resume and in the interviews. It takes longer, but it's worth it to modify your resume depending on what you're applying to. Even, you know, if you have like a position desired statement or however you want to put it, tailor that to what you're applying toward. Use some of the same keywords back at them and then highlight different experiences from different roles. You may have experiences that's really relevant and then some that aren't. I mean, take those out. Or if you just want to make sure you have the job on there so you don't show like a gap in employment, that's fine. But you don't have to put bullets under every job. What I started doing is there are a couple of them that were like, my work was just not relevant. So I list the job so they can see I was employed, but I'm not going to talk about it because it's not important to what I'm trying to do. So that helps whoever is reviewing it, you know, probably a robot at first, but at least understand that you're taking some effort to highlight the things that are most relevant to where you're trying to go. But that's a really good call out on keeping it updated. Like I, I know that seems like common sense, like we'll keep your resume updated, but you know, a couple of thoughts there. Number one, honestly, if you've been at a job a while, it's really easy to forget some of your superlatives, some of the things you've done well, and you can highlight them. It's a lot easier to do that in the moment. It's a lot easier to go back 12 months than it is 36, 48 months or however long it's been. The other part of it, when you look at the volume of layoffs that have happened, 200,000 layoffs in the tech industry, and this is going to be different depending on where you live and what you do. But my goodness, if you're in the Puget Sound area in Washington state, if you're in the Bay Area in California, there's a lot of people looking for work right now and time could be an ally. The faster you can respond to an opportunity, the quicker you can get your foot in the door, that could be all the difference. And so if you need a couple of days to get your mind right after a very devastating event to be able to update your resume, you may have already missed some opportunities versus if it's already complete, you can move and respond much more quickly. So it's one of those things of like, it's it's a be prepared thing, like anything else, like having a fire extinguisher in your kitchen, having your resume updated. If something negative happens, you can respond and deal with it more quickly and you don't even have to think about it. It's almost like laying out your clothes the night before for the next day. So you don't have to think about what you want to wear or go find, you know, missing sock or whatever, because it's all ready. It's a lot easier to do that the night before than the morning of when you're groggy. So kind of to use an analogy. Another tip that I do, there's a reason why my resume review happens in like June and July. The reason for that is that's when our fiscal year for Microsoft ends. And that's also when our reviews are due. We call them connects. Mm -hmm. We also have other things throughout the year that we have to update with 
with what we've done, but I sometimes just take bullets right off of those things and put them right on my resume. It's a good time to just look at what you've done for the last year, maybe take out a few things that, you know, you, you always have like weaker bullets and like stronger things. If you've mm-hmm. won an award that year, you know, you toss that on there. So the reason why I have reviews during that time frame is because I just take them right off my performance reviews. So that's very easy to do. I saw somebody tweet tonight and it had been retweeted. It was a person who had been laid off from Google and I apologize, I forget who it was, but they said, you know, one of the things that I'm not going to miss about being laid off from a big tech company is the focus on being almost performative about your impact and being able to quantify that and almost sell that. And I understand that perspective, but to be honest, it's a skill you should get comfortable with because being able to, I know it's not comfortable. I don't like it. I hate doing it. I hate talking about myself, but being able to quantify your impact and what you do and what you bring to the table and be able to essentially sell somebody else on that, it's a valuable skill to have. And no, it's not always fun. And yes, sometimes things do get a little wound up around the optics of it and how you present yourself and all of that. And I I have coached other people at Microsoft, not you, Andy, but others on, hey, you know, you need to get a little more comfortable with self-promotion. And that sounds dirty and bad, but it doesn't have to be. Just like you can be a sleazy car salesman or you can sell things in a way that's, I'm going to educate you. I'm going to speak to you about the benefits. I'm going to let you decide. And I'm confident enough in what I have to offer that you'll see the light. Same thing with being able to articulate your value to an organization. That doesn't have to be a bad thing. It doesn't have to be you are obsessed with yourself or your, or anything negative like that. It's just a valuable skill in corporate America. I think psychologically, the last thing that I just wanted to close with mm-hmm. is your work family. A lot of people refer to their work family or, you know, we're family here, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But they're not your real family. They're a business. And for the most part, and I'm not saying everybody because there's obviously like family owned businesses and all this stuff and people go out of the way to really try to help their employees. But for the most part, it's a business. And most of these things are business decisions. So it's hard not to take personal because a lot of people spend a lot of time. They take a lot of pride in work, but it comes down to pay and business and making money. And, you know, when it comes to that, your family is really what is most important. That's what I've learned over the years. And so whatever I need to do to try to make sure that my mental health is in check, that I'm doing what's best for my family, that's what I'm going to do. You know, don't not take vacation, you know, don't stress yourself on vacation and check your emails, you know, all that stuff, because business is going to go on. And if there's anything that I've learned is that everybody is replaceable. You know, you are a valuable person to that company for sure. Everyone is if you're a good employee but that does not mean that they couldn't replace you in a heartbeat. They can, and they will if they have to. So don't feel guilty about leaving. Don't feel guilty about, you know, taking time off. Like, for example, I'll give another personal story is when I got offered the position at Microsoft, I had a really hard time. And I know I talked to you about this, Adam. Mm -hmm. I had a really hard time leaving Exact Sciences because I had developed really good relationships there. I really liked my boss. I really liked my coworkers. I really liked the work. It was good work. I got fulfillment out of it and the pay wasn't bad either. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, you know, I kind of put my family first because Microsoft, the compensation was better and that allowed my family to have a better life. 
And so while I was leaving a really, really good gig, the job at Microsoft ultimately from my personal family was better Mm -hmm. just because it allowed me to do more with my life. And so that's really the thing that I think is for me mentally how I try to think of these things is as I'm at the work, it's not that you're going to slack off. Like don't think of it like I'm not going to do work or I'm just going to check out but I don't treat it as my life anymore, right? Like I think people get so invested sometimes with their work that that's all they do. And these companies, I mean, they'll just cut you, you know, without a second thought. And so now I I just, you know, I I try to separate that and really take the time and invest in my family instead of, you know, putting all of my energy into my work. It's a balancing act for sure. It's great to build relationships and friendships at work. And I would like to think I have built meaningful friendships that would carry on regardless of where we worked moving forward. Like our chat that always has a funny name, but usually it goes by a variation of you're holding it wrong based on the old Steve Jobs quote. And we have a great time geeking out over technology, asking for advice from each other. And and we have built meaningful friendships, but you're right. Work is not your family. And one thing that stood out to me, and you know, this isn't a knock. This is sometimes I do remind customers in a non-hostile way, but I remind them that like Microsoft is a for-profit business. It exists to make money. In our quarterly earnings call that Amy Hood and Satya Nadella hosted on Tuesday night. And I'm, I'm just going to kind of say this without comment, but one of the things Amy Hood pointed out was at the end of Microsoft's second quarter, she said, and I'll quote, and finally, we returned $9.7 billion to shareholders through share repurchases and dividends. So 10,000 people got laid off from Microsoft, which is a fact, through the end of the third quarter here, which will be through March 31, and Microsoft paid out $9.7 billion to their shareholders through dividends and share repurchases. That That's the purpose of a corporation is to do that. Now, that doesn't mean you can't do it with empathy and with kindness um, and trying to help as much as possible. But you're right. At the end of the day, businesses are in business for business reasons, for money, and you need to live your life. And not necessarily, I don't want to say use them, but there's like a, we talk a lot about Microsoft because it's what we know. But at Microsoft, a lot of times what they talk about is the deal you get at Microsoft. Like you give time to the company, you invest effort in the company, and they repay you through compensation and benefits, right? And so they ask a variation of this question, like the annual employee polls of, I think I have a good deal at Microsoft. And yes or no, or strongly agree, strongly disagree, whatever. But that's really how you think about it. And that almost makes it transactional, but work is transactional. You are transacting your time for money. Now, Andy, I think you have in the notes here, like your work should be fulfilling and you should enjoy it and you should like going to work. That's something to aim for. Absolutely. But don't forget that it's transactional. And just as it's transactional on your part, it's transactional on their part too. So I think that is a really, really good reminder. And you know what that makes me think of Andy and maybe a a future show on this. And I think we're going to have to learn more about it because it's kind of new to us, unless you had this at exact sciences or one of your previous employers, but Microsoft recently moved to a discretionary time off model where you don't have a bank of vacation hours anymore and you can essentially take unlimited time off. It's not unlimited. But if you need to take time off, you take time off and it's whatever. And there's been a lot of conversation around that like, oh, it's a scam, you know, it's an accounting thing. I think it can be beneficial, but it depends on the culture that you work in. My sister works for a company, my sister's workaholic, that has had a, they call it like RTO, responsible time off or something like that. And they've had it for like six or seven years. And I said, well, hey, sis, how much time do you take off in any given year? And she's like, I don't know, about nine or 10 days. (laughs) 
what are you doing? Like you have effectively unlimited time off and you've been at the company for a long time. Like back when they used to have a bank of, you know, PTO, you would have been in the second or third tier already. You've been there a long time. You probably under the old system have 20 or 25 days off by now. What are you doing? Take more time off. She's like, I know I just bad at planning. And it's just, you know, it's one of those things of you got to do it. And so one of the first things I did when we moved to that model was I immediately threw a whole bunch of time off on everyone else's calendar to kind of block it off and be like, I'm doing this. I'm taking this time off because I hit my six year mark on in March. Mm-hmm. And now I moved to, tw- I would have under the old system started to get 20 days off plus, you know, per floating holidays, or whatever. And so it's like, well, darn it. My benchmark is I'm going to take 20 days off this year at least. Yeah. So I was starting to get them in, but I think that's something maybe we could do a show on in the future. Again, we got to get our, the hang of it first, but um, how to manage that and, and vacations in general, like, cause I know cybersecurity people, they have a really hard time unplugging. So talking about about this kind of, I think, segues into a future show like that. I know that I had a hard time unplugging when I was doing it at Exact Sciences to the fact where Nate, who was my coworker, he would kind of jokingly be like, oh, there's that Andy bot that is activated <laughs> during the vacation where I would like say something in Teams. He's like, oh, that's weird. That's some malware bot that's talking back to my replies. Andy's supposed to be on vacation. So I think it is very difficult for cybersecurity folks because, I mean, we care. We do care about, you know, what happens and sometimes you are the expert on the system. And so that all plays into the culture that you're talking about is mm-hmm. really, you know, it, it's a team effort. Like Nate would make fun of me for working <laughs> and, you know, I eventually get the hint and be like, all right, I, I'll let you guys do your thing and I'll, I'll unplug. So hopefully this gives people, I don't know what the purpose of this show was is mainly just to kind of talk through this and hopefully help people work through if it has impacted you that you aren't alone and that there is light at the end of the tunnel it's definitely hard and i've been through it many times but i mean i think try to turn it into a positive experience i think when you look back on this time in the future i hope that you look on it with the same that i do every time that has happened to me is that it has been a blessing in disguise and in fact when it happened at microsoft you talk about Adam, how companies are doing this and as well as posting how much money that they're making, but they also do it with empathy. Microsoft did a very, very good job. Um, The last time I got laid off, they paid me for two months. They also gave me a severance and I was searching for a job. And fortunately, I was able to find one within three weeks, but I was on Microsoft's payroll for that two months. And it was during the summer and I ended up spending the entire month of August that year with my boys. They were three and five and it was absolutely one of the best times of my life. Mm -hmm. I was able to spend an entire month every single day with them because we canceled daycare and summer camps and all that because I didn't have a job. And so I just took them places. We visited places in Wisconsin. We went on trips, the zoo, all that stuff. And man, I tell you, it was something so valuable that I can't even put into words or, you know, quantitate because it was wonderful. And so again, I know anyone who's been impacted by this, it's hard, but hopefully this will give you some hope and be able to work through that process as you're trying to find the light at the end of the tunnel. Super well said. And and I can tell you just at the earlier parts of the show, we were talking through it and I started to get like, feel that tightness in my chest and like get anxiety, just thinking about what it would be like if it happened to me. And so we tried to put a positive spin on this show. We tried to find the positive angle. We laughed, we smiled. um, We talked about possible good things, but make no mistake. Our empathy is with you. If you are impacted or somebody close to you is impacted, it's 
it's not a fun situation and we're not trying to make light of it, but we're trying to find the light, if that makes sense. And um, it's been a rough time in the technology industry that, to be perfectly honest, like I joined Microsoft March of 2017, the stock only ever went one direction and went up and it went up and up. And it was hard to imagine a time it didn't go up. We had COVID and the stock tanked for a little bit. You know, all the stocks went down at first when COVID started going on in March 2020. And then the tech companies, it turned out, were going to be kind of the saviors of the pandemic because they'd let us connect and talk to each other and they'd help companies uh, migrate to remote workforces. And so then tech companies just took off again and went off like gangbusters. And so it's like, man, nothing's going to stop tech. And like all things, they can't go up forever. And it's been a time of realignment for a lot of us. And it's kind of crazy because these almost like invincible companies, it's like, what's going to bring them down? Like, well, it turns out inflation (laughs) is going to bring them down. And maybe they did get a little over their skis on hiring during some of those boom times. But my goodness, you know, it's been rough for everyone. But again, our hearts really go out to those impacted. And I think, Andy, you sharing your experiences gives people hope that it can be for like you, that blessing in disguise where you look back one, two, three years from now and you say, gosh, that helped me get to a better job or help me pivot my career or help me learn new things or spend time with my children, all of which could be really valuable. So again, hoping the best for anybody impacted and confident that you will get to a better place as a result of it. And good show, Andy, and and appreciate the topic for tonight. I think it was obviously the right show at the right time. And that's our show for this week. Thanks as always for listening and watching. Our contact information will be in the show notes. If you have any questions, you want to talk through this, you have comments, or you want some support, reach out and we'll discuss. Mm -hmm. So thanks and we'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you for listening to the Blue Security Podcast. Please check out the show notes, catch up on episodes you may have missed, and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Find Andy on Twitter at AJAW0 and Adam at AJ Brewer. See you at our next episode.